Looking for a book that clearly explains the differences between Mormonism and Christianity? If so, Mormonism 101 by Mormonism Research Ministries Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson may be what you're looking for. Mormonism 101 covers a number of topics that'll give you a better understanding of the LDS faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite online bookstore or purchase it directly from Mormonism Research Ministry at mrm.org. Again, that's mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are continuing to look at a talk given by Tad Callister of the Presidency of the Seventy, titled, What is the Blueprint of Christ Church? It was a devotional for young adults given on January 12, 2014 at Brigham Young University. Today, we're going to look at some more so-called evidence that Tad Callister thinks supports the existence of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This time he's going to talk about fruits of Christ's church. And this goes right along with the 17 points of the true church we've been talking about throughout these past few weeks. An article that was written many years ago, and for point number 17, by their fruits ye shall know them, Callister writes, the next page of the blueprint might read, fruits of Christ's church. The Savior gave this test for our truth. By their fruits ye shall know them, from Matthew 7.20. Let me stop you there, because notice again what Callister has done. He has taken a verse that really does not have anything to do with the church, and he's applied it to the church. He's trying to make Matthew 7.20 talk about Christ's church, when in fact the context is talking about false prophets. If you look at the context in verse 15 of Matthew 7, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And here's verse 20. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Who is the there in verse 20? Obviously, in the context, it's talking about false prophets. It has nothing to do with the church. Now, you would think a man in this high position in the Mormon church would know that. I would expect mistakes like this being made on a lay level, but folks, this is a man who holds a very high position in the Mormon church. He's of the 70. That's the third level in the Mormon hierarchy. And look how badly he's using these Bible verses. And I shouldn't just blame Tad Callister. All Mormons use these verses badly. And the importance that we're trying to stress here is you need to use them properly, but unfortunately he doesn't. Callister goes on and says this, one those early saints strove to be a healthy people. Paul taught that our physical bodies are temples that house our spirits and therefore are to be treated as holy. 
quoting from 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Because of this, the members of Christ church had certain health laws they obeyed, such as certain restrictions on drinking wine, found in Ephesians 5 and 1 Timothy 3. Okay, let's go back. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. What is the context, Eric, of 1 Corinthians 3.16? Well, we'll need to read a few verses to make sure we understand what is being said. And verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's obviously not talking about an individual, but rather a collective group of individuals. He's talking talking about the church. We've talked about that before. Again, Tad Callister misses the point. He uses a verse that speaking of the church collectively, which is composed of redeemed individuals, and he's making it sound like this is talking about a person's physical body. Now, I will grant him when he cites 1 Corinthians 6:19, certainly that is talking about an individual believer's body. But to draw this kind of a conclusion where he says The members of Christ's church had certain health laws they obeyed, such as certain restrictions on drinking wine found in Ephesians 5 and 1 Timothy 3. If you were to look at Ephesians 5, this is what it says, and I'm I'm assuming he's citing verse 18. It says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the spirit notice the difference here though it says clearly in ephesians 5:18 that you are not to be drunk with wine but then he talks about certain restrictions on drinking wine what was the restriction in ephesians 5 it was being drunk on wine what is the restriction in the mormon church it's drinking wine at all We don't see that prohibition in Ephesians chapter 5, nor do we see that prohibition in 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3 gives the same type of prohibition. It's not saying that wine is restricted entirely. It's merely saying that you are not to be drunk on wine. Now, when it talks about this divine law of treating our bodies like temples, and this is what Tad Callister goes on to say, he said, Joseph Smith received a health law from the Lord for the members of Christ's restored church known as the word of wisdom. But if you go and look at the word of wisdom, it goes far beyond the limitation of drinking wine. It talks about eating meat sparingly. It also talks about not drinking coffee or tea. Where do we find that in the New Testament blueprint? We find also, if you look at the beginning of section 89, where the word of wisdom is found, it's merely a suggestion. In the beginning, it was a suggestion. And then later on in the 20th century, it was turned into a commandment. It sounds like the leadership of the church can't even follow the blueprint as was laid down by Joseph Smith. So they feel that it's okay to change the blueprint, I guess. Not only that, but we find that the Book of Mormon also tells us that Jesus gave wine to individuals, 
What does it say in 3 Nephi chapter 18? Starting with verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that Jesus commanded his disciples that they should bring forth some bread and wine unto him. And while they were gone for bread and wine, he commanded the multitude that they should sit themselves down upon the earth. And when the disciples had come with bread and wine, he took the bread and brake it and blessed it. And he gave unto the disciples and commanded that they should eat. And when they had eaten and were filled, he commanded that they should give unto the multitude. And when the multitude had eaten and were filled, he said unto the disciples, Behold, there shall be ordained among you, and to him I will give power that he shall break bread and bless it and give it unto the people of my church unto all those who shall believe and be baptized in my name. And this shall ye always observe to do, even as I have done, even as I have broken bread and blessed it and given it unto you. And this shall ye do in remembrance of my body, which I have shown unto you. And it shall be a testimony unto the Father that ye do always remember me. And if you always do remember me, ye shall have my spirit to be with you. And it came to pass when he said these words, he commanded his disciples that they should take of the wine of the cup and drink of it, and that they should also give unto the multitude that they might drink of it. And it came to pass that they did so and did drink of it and were filled. And they gave unto the multitude and they did drink and they were filled. And when the disciples had done this, Jesus said unto them, Blessed are ye for this thing which ye have done, for this is fulfilling my commandments. And this doth witness unto the Father that ye are willing to do, which I have commanded you. So it was a commandment. I wonder if Jesus was to walk into your everyday Mormon chapel on a Sunday morning and start handing out bread and wine, how many Mormons do you think would drink it? I would think none of them would. I would say none of them. They're not supposed to touch wine, except in sacrament service, according to section 89, which is the blueprint, by the way, in the word of wisdom. They are supposed to use wine for the sacrament, but yet what do Mormons use? Water. I guess Tad Callister thinks that that somehow is following the blueprint, because where in the New Testament did they ever use water for the sacrament or for the communion, as we would call it? To suggest that the Bible is saying that wine is not allowed goes against what the Bible says, because it does say in Ephesians 5 that it's the drunkenness part that's to be avoided. But Jesus, in his first miracle in John chapter 2, turns water into wine. And I've heard Mormons say, well, that's a lot weaker than the wine we use today. But if you look at Acts chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, this is when uh, Pentecost is taking place. And Peter stands up and he says, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. And so the idea that God creates everything to be good. 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. The Bible does not say that wine is bad, but abstaining from getting drunk. And that's a big difference. Christians do disagree on this issue. There are some who say they don't want to participate in any drinking of alcohol and that's great and others say in moderation i will participate that's a personal decision but to make wine or alcohol a prohibited substance is not what the bible is teaching again it's a personal preference and but i think all christians would agree that getting drunk definitely is wrong and the bible does have a prohibition against that so when he talks about the word of wisdom and said this is one of the fruits of living christ's health law No, I would say that's one of the fruits of living Joseph Smith's health law. I certainly don't think that that is something that Christ instituted. 
And we see a lot of early leaders, especially, who did participate in drinking alcohol. I mean, Joseph Smith certainly did. How about Brigham Young? This is what he says in Journal of Discourses, volume 12, page 28, said in 1867, if a person is weary, worn out, cast down, fainting or dying, a brandy sling, a little wine or a cup of tea is good to revive them. Do not throw these things away and say they must never be used. They are good to be used with judgment, prudence, and discretion. Ask our bishops if they drink tea every day, and in most cases they will tell you they do if they can get it. Tad Callister goes on to say that another fruit of Christ's church was its miracles and gifts of the Spirit. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this because I think that can be answered very easily. Matthew 7:23. what does Jesus say? He said that there are going to be people coming to him saying, did we not do great things in your name? Did we not cast out devils? In other words, we were doing miracles. And what does Jesus say? He says, depart from me, I never knew you. So I don't know if that would be a very strong point. And not only what you just said, I never knew you, depart from me, but he says, you who practice lawlessness. Tomorrow we're going to continue looking at Tad Callister's list and what he calls this blueprint of Christ's church. So far, however, I don't really see him making a very good case. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. Pastor, could your congregation benefit from a presentation that explains the differences between Mormonism and New Testament Christianity? MRM's Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson would be honored to come to your church. Whether it's a single crash course or a weekend symposium, hundreds of churches have benefited from their fully documented and easy-to-understand PowerPoint presentations. If you'd like to schedule MRM at your church, simply write us at contact at mrm.org. Again, that's contact at mrm.org. Dot org.